All right. Welcome back to Let's Talk About God. Let's Talk About God. Things are sounding a little bit different today on our end. We got a little bit of a little bit of an upgrade, a little bit of a transition. We're here in the in our undisclosed location. But it's a new undisclosed location. In our bunker for a podcast. And we have brand new equipment. We're on a tiny table made for children. We're on brand new podcast equipment that's nice. Nice sure mics. And oh man. We're actually wearing headphones. It's kind of it's kinda like I just want to say anything, words, whatever. Just you, like hear it. Do you want me to do my radio jockey impersonation? Honestly, do it because whatever's happening with these mics, it makes it turns you into a radio. Voice. You feel like a ra- wherever you go, whatever you do, WCZY Cozy ninety nine point nine FM, your easy listening radio station. That was pretty. Good. Was that good? That was real good. That was real good, wasn't it? That was very good. I bet our listeners right now are just going, "What, <laughs> like, what? what is happening?" <laughs> They're like kids with toys. <laughs> Oh, I mean, hey. we got this nice little board over here. Oh, I know. Let me show you some of the features. Just before we get going, listeners, just start tapping that little 30-second button if you're tired of this. But let me just show you some of the features we got. Okay? All right. If you're tired of our new of our old intro music, we could give you a little bit of this. Do you like that? That is cool. Then we got... <laughs> oh, no, a laugh track? After every pun. <laughs> we got a laugh track, folks. And we got this. We got some cheering. So now we have an audience. Yep. Okay. Maybe when the puns don't hit very good. That should be done after every pun maybe, you ever do. Maybe. Oh, little snare. Oh, a little Twilight that Zone. Is. That's like Twilight Zone. That's really when the joke doesn't hit. That's when it's a bomb. That's yeah. when it's a lid balloon. And then this last one. Oh, that's just when we just come up with this great idea. Disney magical. That's something. This is, I'm impressed. I mean, it's kind of crazy. Kind of crazy. So, folks, we have taken it to a whole nother level. And you're here with us as part of this uh, awesome podcast that we're doing with this great equipment. And you're just, you're part of it, and we're just excited to have you here today. Just kind of crazy, to be honest with you. Please forgive us if you end up here and speaking in the mic. We're working on, not well, from, not from us, that's what I'm trying to say. If you hear some background noise, we're still working on it, but I don't think you will. I, I don't think, think so. Fantastic. I think I think this is just, this is a lot of fun. All right, so we've played, we've had a lot of fun. Um, I guess we ought to do our podcast, because I know our listeners want to <laughs> hear more than just us. Talk about our new toy. I had all this talk about the equipment. I'm not going to lie. I don't have a pun today. You don't have a pun? I was too focused on how cool this equipment is and how excited I am for it. Well, to be honest, I think it's a sin that you weren't prepared oh, God. with a pun for our transition today. I, I'm just f- just focused in on this equipment. It's better than the original. Than so. the original, yes. Oh, gosh. All right. <laughs> no, wrong, wrong, wrong one. Wrong one. Wrong button. <laughs> What were you going? There, there we, we go. go. There we go. Little rim shot. All right. All right. All right. We'll try to not abuse that, but we had to use it. We had. It's there. That was bad. If you haven't figured it out, folks, we're going to talk about original sin today. So we just want to update you. Uh, our last episode. So we had originally planned it to be an episode just on originally. Original. Gosh. Just stop. <laughs> I'm like a kid with a new toy, folks. I promise I'll quit. 
So we had planned last episode to uh, just be on the topic of sim. And then you had a good idea as we were going. We realized we had a lot more content than we realized. We said, hey, why don't we break this into a two-parter? So if you haven't yet, go check out our last episode on, well, sim, part one. And today we're going to actually be concluding this little mini-series on sin, specifically focusing in on the doctrine of original sin. So that's what we're going to really be leaning into today. Go check out that uh, last episode if you haven't. I think it'll give you good context for the biblical concept of sin, for the Old Testament and New Testament usage, and even description of sin. So just want to encourage you, go ahead, go listen through that and learn a little bit. But with all of that said, we've got original sin. Do you want me to go or do you want you to go? What's our 30-second definition of original sin? Well, like as simple as you could go is that (laughs) this is so simple. Original sin means that everyone is born sinful. Mm. Okay. But if you want to carry it further, it's that humans inherit a tainted nature and a proclivity to sin through the fact of the birth, mm-hmm. which obviously goes all the way back to Adam. That's right. So that's kind of going at it. What have you had? What do you have? I just copied the Augsburg Confession because I thought it was fine. So you just tell me if you don't if you don't want this. Augsburg Confession in Article Two writes: Our churches teach that since the fall of Adam, all who are naturally born are born with sin. That is, without the fear of God, without trust in God. And with the inclination to sin called concupiscence. How do you like that word? That's Con- a $12 word. I know. Concupiscence is a disease and original vice that is truly sin. It damns and brings eternal death on those who are not born anew. Our churches condemn the Pelagians and others who deny that original depravity is sin, thus obscuring the glory of Christ's merit and benefits. Pelagians argue that a person can be justified before God by his own strength and reason. Okay. What do we think? <clears throat> yes yeah. or no? Okay, I mean, I think I think that's pretty good. I think it's I think it's pretty straightforward, and and it's been a month since we recorded that. What we're I know me you were talking about this, where you're born with the proclivity to sin, and in this kind of really strange way, you're already born guilty of sin, even before you've done anything. And you're kind of like, how does that work out? Um, does that make sense? Right. Yeah. That you you because of Adam's sin, we have to go back to Genesis one, two, and three. Like we always do. Yep. If you didn't have Genesis one, two, and three, it wouldn't make sin. Uh, it makes sense. But you go back, and because Adam sinned, he was the federal head of the human race, and thus he made the decision for all of humanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because Adam sinned, the Bible says all sinned. That's good. And we're all we we are all guilty. But it's deeper than that. It it is true that our nature is one of sin. And mm-hmm. I mean, I know, I think we're probably going to get into to some scriptures. You know, got it, yeah, you got right it here, here. And I'm yeah. thinking about it where David said, I was born in sin. Yep. So we're going to show this today. Um, but this is a really important doctrine because if you're going to preach the gospel, if you're going to, if you're going to make sense of the, the coming of Jesus and his death on the cross and ultimately his resurrection and his redemptive work, you need to understand this because mm-hmm. this says that no one is born good, no one is born free from the need of salvation, right. but quite the contrary, that everyone is born in sin, mm-hmm. unrighteous, 
uh, in wrong standing with God, estranged from God, and and with a nature that says, I want to do the wrong thing. Yeah. I can still be a upright, I'm doing my little air quotes here on the radio, upright, moral person, citizen, but I still do wrong things, and I want to do wrong things. And even one time, sometimes when I want to do the right thing, I end up doing the wrong thing. It's because we have a nature, mm-hmm. and that nature has to be dealt with. That's right. And and the and salvation is not just about the forgiveness of sins or justifying me or putting me in a right position with God, but it is about a change in my nature mm-hmm. that the old things pass away and everything becomes new, and the old me dies. And Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And so now I live in 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 righteousness and holiness. Yeah. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And, and it comes through the holiness of God and relationship with God. So this is a really foundational subject. That's good. That's where like um, the, the that $12 word concupiscence is really just like it said, it's a disease and original vice. It's basically saying, like you said, we're born not loving God and we're born out of a relationship with him. We're an enemy to him and we don't want him. <clears throat> and so let's look through those two scriptures you cited. Romans five twelve says this, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin in this way, death spread to all people because all sinned. And so there is this mysterious way in which Adam, as our representative, as our first human, uh, there's some mysterious way in which we're all, uh, we've all sinned. We're, we're, we're all guilty and we're all born sinners. So Psalm 51.5 says, indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. And, uh, and so we, we can see clearly in the scriptures that original sin is this passing down of guilt, and it's this passing down of sinfulness. And we're going to break that down in a little bit. But um, let's first start off with some maybe heretical views, some some views that are a little bit off. And then let's break down the scriptures on what is true. And so they uh, we, we mentioned this word earlier. So let's ask the question, what is Pelagianism, Pelagianism, excuse me. What what does that theological school say about sin and original sin? Um, so Pelagius was basically this old school heretic way back in the day in the time of, and I'm saying it correctly, Saint Augustine back right. in the uh, the fifth century. And Pelagius was actually like a, a Christian bishop, um, a, a minister in the church, but he came up and said that. Christians, or excuse me, humans were not born inherently sinful, but in fact that all people had the ability in and of themselves to live a sinless and perfect life and essentially merit grace for themselves. And what it made Jesus out to be was really nothing more than an example uh, for us to follow, and it makes living a, a righteous and a perfect life something that all of us can grasp. And uh, I would say hardcore Pelagianism probably doesn't exist in in most Christian circles, but uh, it, it's certainly something that you'll find out in the world, and it's certainly a dangerous doctrine to hold on to for a number of reasons. Like you said, one, it minimizes the need for Christ crucified on the cross for us. It minimizes 
the need for us to be forgiven of our sins, and it really gives you a false hope or even a false righteousness that you can be something that you really can never be. It, it stresses human effort. It does. Because it says, in essence, Pelagius, uh, Pelagius <clears throat> thought that you had um, every person has the ability to choose between good and evil, and that every sin is just a voluntary act committed by me. Mm-hmm. So you don't, it's not because of a sin nature, it's because of, of my will. Yep. Okay. So there's a difference between my will and my nature. My will is just my my ability to choose, my volition. Uh, I can choose to do good. I can choose to do bad. But it's me making that decision. I'm the re- I'm the source. I'm the origin. Mm-hmm. My will, my wishes, my desires is the origin. And it really eliminates the need for saving. Well, right, because you know, you just say, "Well, be better. Just don't make wrong choices." I yeah. mean, I guess Pelagian probably believed you needed to be forgiven for those sins, but he still didn't believe that there was a nature, a sin nature, that needed to be dealt with. Yeah, and of course, um, Augustine, you know, came against that, and uh, and and it was actually determined as it is a heresy. That's right. So it's obviously something that you know we don't want to believe. Uh, so there's this thing called semi-Pelagianism. What is that? So semi-Pelagianism is kind of a restricted form of Pelagianism. And I don't want to say that I'm scared to talk about it in any way, but I think you ask 100 people and they might give you 100 different answers on what constitutes semi-Pelagianism. Um, it can kind of be used as a term to bash people over the head with that we disagree with <laughs> when it comes okay. to uh, when it comes to things you like you know you disagree with. But I would say semi Pelagianism, and you and I were talking about this last month as we were preparing for the first episode. Is semi Pelagianism basically says I can take the first step towards God? Does that make sense? Like we're. Like, yes, I have a depraved will. Yes, I'm sinful, but I can choose to start going towards God and maybe he'll meet me halfway. And I've heard you speak all the time in your sermons. You don't choose to come to God. God God chooses when you come to him or you don't choose when you want to get saved. God chooses when you want to come to him. And so the notion is you don't get to say, well, I'll just... uh, you know, I live my life, I'm young, so I'll kind of do the party thing, and I'll get some things in order, and then I'll serve God. The truth is, is God has to come knocking on your door, and that's when it happens. Mm-hmm. Not me just saying, well, I guess I'm good and ready, so I'll just go figure it out now. The point is, God has to break through and knock on your door and call you. Right. So they believed, unlike P- Pelagius, they believed that you were depraved, certainly, but not all the way. Uh, you know, Pelagius didn't believe in total depravity. He says there is total depravity, but you still have the ability to recognize the truth and cooperate with God. And that would and, be the semi-Pelagius, yeah. yeah, semi-Pelagius, and choose to take steps on your own. Uh, you can take the first step, so yeah. that's what you say. And and I, I, again, that's. That's a doctrine that's it's heresy mm-hmm. because we know that you know you, no man comes to the Father you know unless Jesus reaches out to him you know yep. uh, God has to give you that revelation and, and open your eyes uh, He has to take that step um, but I I think you still see this today where people say um, 
I'll get saved when I'm good and ready. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to live my life, sow my wild oats, get married, have kids, pursue my career, run wild, do whatever I want to do. And then when I get old and I get close to death, then I'll get right with God. You know, I need to get ready to go to heaven. And and people actually think that way. Yeah. Or, or they'll just say, well, I'll get ready. I'll get saved when I'm good and ready. And you don't get saved when you're good and ready. I mean, when God reaches out to you, that's when you have to, uh, you have to say, okay, yeah, I, I got to respond to him. I think what it does is it it minimizes uh, that disease, that infection of sin, that it it minimizes its effects on us and makes us feel like, well, we can be kind of better than it. When the truth is, is when sin is in your heart and and has you know taken you over, you live in sin. Like the point is, is like. That is your thought process. That is your mode of living. That is what you live for. Think back to the flood that their their the thoughts of their thoughts and intents of their hearts were uh, continually evil always. Like that is the state of the human heart in sin. It's evil always. And so the idea that I can kind of muscle my way through and at least get halfway to God or whatever the, you know, whatever the the analogy you want to use there is you're just lying to yourself because the truth is, is that sin is a much greater problem, a much greater issue, a much greater disease than you're strong enough to overcome. And it minimizes the grace of God, which is while the world was in darkness, Jesus Christ, the light of the world was the light that shines on every man. He's the one who had to be lifted up. He's, you know, the Father has to call you. The truth is, is that it's not like you could get to God. God had to come to you because you were in that darkness. Exactly. And we did a podcast on legalism. Mm-hmm. That was the one your mom actually yeah. joined us. Episode that, 11, or, well, 10 or 11. And it was a range. great podcast. You know, a lot of people enjoyed that. Um, and your mom and I talked about growing up in the Church of God and the Pentecostal holiness mm-hmm. movement, and during our era, the era, there was a lot of legalism. And I think legalism and just religious activity, religiosity, yeah. would coincide with semi-Pelagianism mm-hmm. because it, it, most of those people will say, well, yeah, you know, I'm a sinner and I'm depraved. I understand that. But if I do good works or if I keep these rules then I'm going to get right with God. And I we have seen that. I, I saw people who got caught up in the religiosity, who got caught up in the legalism, and were keeping all these man-made rules, but yet they were the worst gossipers. Mm-hmm. They had a tongue. They would they would crack you up one side and down the other. they talk about people. Um, they were mean. They were hurtful. And the reality was all their efforts— mm okay to try to save themselves in their religion uh, or and and you know I'm talking about the Pentecostal holiness movement but I've seen it in nominal churches um where you have sort of the social gospel where if I do good works and we help people and we we do things to help the, mm-hmm. the down and out and the needy and the poor then then that that helps me to get right with God that's kind of a you know, either Pelagianism or semi-Pelagianism, yeah. because you know, just depending on whether or not you believe, yeah, but I'm still, I'm depraved, I'm mm-hmm. still in sin. But if I do these works, it'll it'll help me to get out of it. The truth is that, uh, you know, w- within every sinful person's power, like, yeah, they have the power to, let's take Pentecost holiness, not go to the movie theater and refrain from dancing right. and wear certain clothes or the nominal church. They have the power to 
give their money away to the poor and go serve on a thing on Saturday. like At the soup kitchen, right. The, everybody can do that. Atheists do that right now for their own reasons or for you know whatever it is that drives them. But that doesn't fix the heart of the problem. Like God's not looking to you to just do some general actions for him or just impress him with your activity on the weekend. God's looking for you to have a completely renewed and changed heart because without that heart, you can go serve the soup kitchen on a Saturday and still truly hate God the whole time and live your own life, be your own God, and do whatever it is you want to do. God wants total love and devotion, not little activities we throw at him to try and you know appease him or please him. Well, it has always been the case that you are saved by grace through faith. That's right. Works are the result of salvation, mm-hmm. of a, a good works that are pleasing to God. Are, are the result of a changed nature. Mm-hmm. There's been a change in my nature that I'm a new person, a new creation in Christ. And uh, then out of that flows a new life, new mm-hmm. words, new speech and whatever. So this is really, really important doctrine. I, <clears throat> I think it's good that we bring up these old heresies that the church had to deal with because they semblances of them That's right. are still hanging around. That's right. They always crop up. And so... Uh, that's good. So, okay. So, back to original sin. Then um, let's let's just dig a little deeper into that. Then. Yeah, we kind of gave a little summary, a little overview, so our okay. listeners would know what we're talking about. But let's kind of dive into the scripture. So, we've already mentioned Psalm fifty-one. We've already mentioned Romans five twelve, which has to do with you know Adam and Adam all sin, and in my, in my mother's womb I was con- you know conceived in sin. So, let's look at Ephesians chapter two one through three. It says this. And this has to do with us being born as guilty. Sinners. Sinful. Yeah. Yeah. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among who also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. I think that last line right there is so critical to what we're talking about. And were by nature Nature. children of wrath just as others. Yep. So see, that's talking about our nature. Yeah. And, And if you're a child of wrath, then it means... It's because all these other things are true. You were dead in trespasses and sins, mm-hmm. and you walked according to the uh, to the, the pattern of this of world, of according to the devil. You were a diso- you were a child of disobey. You disobeyed mm-hmm. God. You conducted yourself in the lust of your flesh and did what what was wrong. So yeah, I think that that summed it up. I'm glad Paul yeah, said it the way he did. Made it pretty clear. You're already born not wanting to do anything with God. Yeah. And then you live that out, and you are a child of wrath. And just for clarity, you sin because you choose to. That's right. But you also sin because you're a sinner. That's right. It's your nature. Is you, it? You're, 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 you're not a—let me get this right. You're not a sinner because you sin. You sin because you're a sinner. There you you're go. You're born naturally sinful. And yet there is this very real sense in which you're choosing to do it. Right. You are choosing to do it. You are cooperating with your sinful nature. That's right. You're being true to who you are. That's, That's why right. salvation is so needed. Like you have to yeah. be saved. You, you've got good works won't do it. 
I need somebody to change me. Think about how just completely powerless you are to do to to change who you are. Right. I think what what we need to point out too, what Paul's talking about here is like you could fulfill all the outward laws, but on the inside, you're still a sinner. It's why Jesus comes and gives us gives us the uh, true interpretation of the law. It's not enough to just not commit adultery. You can't even want to. Right. That, and that's a nature thing. That's that. Yeah. That requires an inward change. And so that brings us into <clears throat> the perfect transition. So we know we're guilty by nature, but sinful <clears throat> as well. Excuse me. Let's look at Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No one except Jesus is an exception. First John 1.18 says that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We're lying to ourselves. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? And then Ephesians 4, 17 through 19 says, therefore, I say this and testify in the Lord, you should no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thoughts. They're darkened in their understandings, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. Can we just stop there? Do you just want to break down that Ephesians passage right there? I feel like that gives us a picture of what it means to be naturally sinful and the sinful heart and mind. Well, again, if we're saying, okay, we're depraved, we're born with a sinful nature, then what does that mean? Well, it affects your thinking process. It's a, there's a mental mm-hmm. uh, c- capacity that is affected. Okay. So there's futility in my thoughts, uh, darkened in my understanding. Mm. So it, it, it's there. Then there is a relational uh, aspect yeah. uh, excluded from the life of God. That's terrifying. Okay. So there's a, there's the, the mental part or the intellectual part. He, he talks about the ignorance that is in them. So that goes back again t- to the mental Mm-hmm. state that is saying I'm in sin, then it gets to the heart. So now you get to, to, to and I think heart here is more than emotions. Yes. It talk, he talks about the hardness of their hearts. And I think that almost talks about your nature. Yeah. Okay. But, but, but make it your desire, your passion. I'm hardened to get. So, so mentally I'm ignorant. I'm in darkness and futile thoughts. Relationally, I'm excluded from the life of God. I think that also means spiritually. Certainly. That I'm, I'm, I have no spiritual You're life. Dead in trespasses, right? I have no spiritual life. Now, emotionally, I'm I'm hardened in my heart towards God, callous, and then you start talking about my activity. Mm. Uh, they gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity, and and then you go back to the heart again with the desire for more and more. So my heart, which we just said, the heart is deceitful above all things. My heart wants to, my desire, my, what I want to do mm. is I want to do sin. Okay. And you mm. don't care what God thinks. Yeah. All, all of that is more than, that's why Pelagius had it wrong. I mean, these are saying, this is who you are. And it's <laughs> without Jesus, without it's Jesus. certainly yeah. hopeless. Like it, what it's saying is that your thinking is wrong. So you can't rely on your brain, your reason, your thoughts. Well, cause you're darkened and you're ignorant. Like you said, spiritually, you're separated from the very life of God. You're dead. And not only that, your heart is sinful, 
And even though God has presented things in nature to you or whatever, you've actively resisted against it. You've hardened your own heart. Well, if you go back to Romans 1, and I don't know if our listeners are familiar with that, but Romans 1, it, it talks about God's wrath on the unrighteousness, and he just talks about how it's almost like this, like the the levels of depravity of man, and mm-hmm. how man just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And God, it would say, and then God gave them over. Yeah, he finally just threw up his hands and said, "Okay, if that's if that's what you're going to do and who you're going to be, go ahead, go ahead, at it, because all you're going to do is get my wrath, mm-hmm. and it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And so, yeah, again, this is a this is something about our very being. Mm. This this is existential. This is who we are. That's right. And I think this is really helpful too. Let's <clears throat> I know we kind of touched on this. First John 5:19 says, "We know that we are of God," talking about Christians, and the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. That's kind of the last that's kind of the really evil cherry on top, which is it's not just that your whole nature is corrupted by sin, but everyone has a lord. It's either Jesus or it's Satan who is who you're under his sway and under his direction, under his power. Reminds me when Jesus told the Pharisees, like, God's not your father. Your father is Satan. Yeah, that's what he told them. And so, you, you know, like like father, like son, you know, like, you know, basically like, like father, like child. This includes sinful women, too. You're going to act like your father, if you will. Because you have the nature. That's right. You know, if you in the human sense, you have DNA. So that's you're talking right. about I have the nature of my of my father and my and my lineage. Uh, and it's the same thing here. And mm-hmm. even in First John, John talked about that when you get saved, you don't you don't commit sin because his seed is in you. It's almost like his spiritual DNA is in you now. And so, which means there's a change in your nature. Mm-hmm. There's a change in who you are. You're not. It's not the depraved nature anymore. But it's a new. You're a new person in Christ. That mm-hmm. person died. I mean, again, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Mm-hmm. And let old things pass away, old things become new. Put off the old man, which is being corrupted by its evil desires. Be made new in the attitude of your mind. That's Put right. on the new man, which is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. If if I can get saved when I want to, or I can do things to improve myself, then why do I need to kill the old me? And why do I need to become put on a new man? It didn't say do new things. It said, put on a new That's person, right. yeah. a new person, a new nature. Mm. And so, I th- yeah, this is pretty powerful. Let me ask you this before we move on. What would you say to someone who says, okay, Evan, you just said the whole world lies under the power of the evil one. So doesn't that free me up? Like I'm, it's out of my control, right? Does the devil have everyone like a puppet on a string and you're just sort of floating around here doing what he wants. What does that mean for, for someone who may think, well, then I just get off scot-free? There are three enemies of the soul. There's the, the devil and his demonic hordes. There is the world, which mm-hmm. is the world system that is anti-God, anti-Bible, disobedient, corrupt, perverse, mm-hmm. and under the sway of the evil one, which he is the God of this world. Satan is called the God of this mm-hmm. world. And... um and then there is your flesh, your fleshly evil desires. So when you're in sin, you have these fleshly evil desires, and then they're rising up and wanting to do things that are disobedient to God. And when you're in sin, then you mm-hmm. give in to them. Uh, 
And if and sometimes the only thing that holds you back is the law. You're afraid to do it because you'll break the law. That's right. Some people go ahead and break the law and do them. Mm-hmm. Then they get arrested and go to jail and whatever. So you have those. So it isn't that you're a puppet on a string, but it's rather that you're under the sway. And sway doesn't mean puppets on a string. It means the influence. Mm. So Satan is controlling and influencing society and culture and the philosophies and ideologies of this world. So that's why you have humanism and evolution and uh, uh, things that atheism, even agnosticism, you know, maybe there's a God, but you can't know him. All of these are are things that come from the enemy. And, uh, and, And I mean, it goes so far as communism or socialism, these things that ultimately tear down humans and and ruin human lives. Uh, abortion, you know, everybody yeah. has a right to an abortion. Kill the babies, you know. Th- then who? where does that come from? Mm-hmm. That The enemy is planning those things and do it. The thief comes but to steal and to kill and to destroy. And so he's a liar and the father of all lies. So he lies to the sinner. So you're not, it's not that, you can't say like, you're, you're too young, but I was a kid, there was this comedian um, uh, named Flip Wilson, and he would do this character. He dressed up like a woman. He's a black guy. He's yeah. hilarious. He's great. Go back on YouTube. And he would say, the devil made me do it. That was his saying. Uh, and I mean, everybody would say it. Yeah. You know how when you watch TV and it's something. Like a cultural It was a thing, cultural yeah. thing. So everybody would go, the devil made me do it. And uh, he would blame everything on the devil. Uh-huh. Well, you, you can't blame everything on the devil. But you have a nature that is has a proclivity to mm-hmm. sin, a propensity to sin, I should say. So how easy is it for the devil to say to the whole world that has a nature that has a propensity to sin, why don't you do this? Yeah. Why don't you disobey God here? And it's it's like anybody, it's like an addict, mm-hmm. a drug addict, it's easy to say, hey, why don't you shoot up? Here, yeah. why don't you smoke this joint? Why don't you shoot up with this heroin? Because they're already... They already had that proclivity to do drugs anyway. Right, yeah. yeah. There's a propensity. They have a bent towards it. That's right. And a desire. And, and, and so the devil just feeds it. And that's why when you get saved, the enemy's power then is defeated because he no longer can influence you. The only right. way he can influence you is if you listen to him. Mm-hmm. But now you're a, you're one of... You're a sheep in the flock of the good shepherd. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And they listen to me. And so now you say, now you know what the devil sounds like. And you say, I don't want to hear that anymore. You're not going to talk to me anymore. Mm-hmm. You don't have access to me anymore. I'm following the good shepherd and that's I'm good. listening to what he says. Uh, so, yeah. And I think it's important to note too, uh, the devil is not God. He's not evil God. The devil's not omnipotent. He's nope. not uh, omnipresent. Nope. The devil doesn't have access to all your thoughts and everything that you do. He's not God. He is a created being, a fallen angel. He has to rely on his demons. He has to rely on what you do. <laughs> right. I mean, all and the those world. things and the world. Like the world. you said, it's it's not like he's got he's God who has control over all of this creation and the right to everything. The devil has to be sneaky. The, re- the reason the devil can't strong arm you is because he's a limited creature. He has to be sneaky. He has to tell you lies. He has to use the world system. He uses Hollywood. He uses the music industry. He uses literature, books you read, magazines you read. That's why a lot of young people, teenagers that are, you know, girls that read, if you, I don't even know if 17 still a thing, but you know, there are magazines you read and you got to be careful because you're, Probably be more like blog posts. Well, now, Twitter, yeah, Twitter and blog stuff. posts yeah, and things like, like TikTok. that. TikTok. You, you got to be careful because he uses all those things. Yeah. 
and and that's how he influences and sways us. That's right. So, yeah. Well, yeah. now that we've really laid a foundation for the depth of sin, we're all born guilty. We're all born sinful. It's corrupted our heart, our thoughts. It's we're under the sway of the devil. Now we're able to talk about conversion. We're talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, how you get saved. And now that we've laid out this picture of of what sin is, let's talk about the need for grace. We've alluded to it and talked about it in short little spurts here, but let's see, what do the scriptures say about the need for grace, the need for God to come to us and, and deliver us and save us? So Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so let's go ahead and, and stop right there. We'll go through each one. What's the what's the the key here? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith doesn't initiate in myself, in my own thoughts, in my own desire. How do I get faith? It comes from hearing the word of God, which God has to come to me, and and it calls me. That's right. It's a calling uh, that God says, "Hey, come follow me." Yeah, come come to me and uh, follow me. Mm-hmm. And Jesus did that everywhere. Follow me, and and I will you know, take up your cross and follow me. There was a call constantly by mm-hmm. Jesus when he walked this earth. Uh, and and he said, many are called, but few are chosen. Mm-hmm. A lot of people reject the call. But the point is, the the call has to come from Christ, and then that's when the faith comes. He gives you the capacity then to believe in him. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's pretty powerful. That And that's the great thing is we need God to overcome the depravity so that we can believe in him and he gives us the faith so that we can trust him and then we can be saved. Yeah. And, and God hasn't held out on us. God's God's word is powerful and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword. His word is is sure and powerful to pierce the sinful heart and reveal his truth and his light to them. God hasn't left us on an island. He has revealed himself clearly to us. Absolutely. And that's why the Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it, the gospel, mm-hmm. is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. Mm-hmm. So you have to hear the gospel, the call. So that's why God can call through us. Yeah. As we preach the gospel, it, we become those ambassadors of Christ with the ministry of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. So it's as if God is calling through us. I think Paul talks about that in maybe first, second Corinthians and be reconciled to God. Mm-hmm. You know, we're calling out, be reconciled to God. And then as they hear the gospel, then faith comes That's so right. that they can believe it and then they can have received the grace of God be saved. And and if you're someone who uh, is actively trying to reach people for Jesus, um, have hope. Take, take courage that the, the power of salvation and, and the power of conversion doesn't rest in, in you. It doesn't rest in um, how awesome of a speaker you are or how many Bible verses you can quote verbatim. Uh, the power doesn't rest in you and your intelligence. The power rests in God and in his word. That if you, like Paul says, know nothing among you but Christ and him crucified, even if you don't have the wisdom of the world, even if you're not an amazing preacher or whatever else like that, God's given us his word. That is enough. Share the gospel and trust him to do the rest. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, let's read John chapter 6, verses 44 through 51. This is a little bit of a longer section, but I think it'll be helpful. It says this. This is Jesus speaking. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. 
It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I'm the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he'll live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. And so I would say there are a few things here. One is no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. So there's one, the father has to draw him. But how is the father drawing us? It's through the message of Christ. No one has seen the father except Christ. And whoever believes in Christ receives the life of the Father. So Jesus, who is described as the Word in John, is kind of like bread dropped down from heaven. He's the one who has come down from heaven from the Father to reveal the Father. It's the Father's way of drawing us by using Christ, who Christ is, the message of Christ, uh, that, that nourishing of Christ to draw us to him and bring the whole world to salvation. So it's it's Christ Himself uh, that that helps overcome the, the the original sin and the depravity. That's right. It's it's Christ in the flesh, mm-hmm. which which is God in the flesh. So God, when God comes to us, when we get a vision of God, when we get a vision of Jesus uh, and what He's done for us, because that is the gospel. That's what God uses then to awaken us, what we cannot do on our own, that helps us to see, hey, I can. there is a God, and I can get to God, and I can mm-hmm. be right with God, and I can be changed and transformed. And then it's when, it's when we believe in him that we receive that transformation, that bread of life, you know, Christ crucified on the cross for us, that gives us life. So the incarnation was, is more powerful than, you know, just a few months ago, we had Christmas. I mean, mm-hmm. it's more powerful than ever. What it's we certainly realize. revelation to the world. Yeah, what, which yeah. is where faith comes from. Faith comes by hearing here by the Word of God. Well, Jesus was the living Word mm-hmm. of God. And, and so, if you want to ask, how does the Father draw people? Well, through Christ. How do people know Christ if He's not walking around the earth? Like you just said, through you and me proclaiming Christ and who he is. Right. That's how the Father is drawing the world. It's through Jesus. Yeah. What they see in us and they see in our change. You know, but this is interesting. We haven't talked about this, but I think what God uses as well is the change in our nature. Mm-hmm. The greatest witness to people in, at work, at your work, at, at your in your home, in your neighborhood, are the people that know you. And they see the change in your life. They see that you live right. They see that you make right decisions and you do righteous things. Mm-hmm. They see the change in your nature. And they look at their nature and say, I'm not like them. Yeah. Okay, I'm not, I don't do what they do. I don't choose how they choose. I don't talk like they talk. They're different from me. Mm-hmm. And I think God then uses that to, to, to let them know this is my work. This is my hand. What I've done for them, I can do for you. This is Christ in them. Christ can now work in you. So it isn't just preaching the gospel or witnessing. I think who we are and how we live, we are the greatest 
we're the living testimonies. Yeah, that's right. You know, and I, I think that's why living right and living according to the nature mm-hmm. that you have now in Christ. You know, we, we, I don't know if we've talked about this, but, you know, total depravity says I have a sinful nature, a tainted nature, I'm born in sin, I'm sinful. But when you get saved, Peter said you become a partaker of the divine nature. That's right. That's crazy. I know. I, to me, that has always been one of the most profound scriptures in the whole Bible. Yeah. I, I just, my eyes get big when I think about that verse, that I have become a partaker, a participant of the divine nature, not the sinful nature. I've been living in that. Mm-hmm. But when I get saved, I'm no longer a partaker of the sinful nature. I'm a partaker of divine nature. That's that blows me away. That's why living for Jesus once you get saved is not about okay, I'm forgiven. Now I got to try real hard. I'm going to try real hard to live right and make God happy. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not it. We're not playing by the same rules that we were before. No. No, now just as it was easy for me to sin because of my sinful nature, mm-hmm. now it's easy for me to do right because I'm a partaker of the divine nature. That's right. You're a new creation, and you're you're a partaker. You're a participant in the holy, perfect God, right? Receiving from Him His yeah. grace, His help. Yeah, and so I'm not saying we're God. I'm no, not saying not. I'm not, never going to say that. But I don't know how, but it's because Christ in you, the hope of glory. I have the Holy Spirit comes in. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I know that because the Holy Spirit dwells inside of me when I get saved, and so and my nature is changed. I made a new man. Mm-hmm. Okay. And because I'm a new person, it's not just like a clean slate person. I'm a new person that's like Jesus. Yeah. So it's Jesus in me. Mm. You know, we used to sing Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. Yeah. And so I, I think we need to make sure that we paint that whole picture today is, is that that sinful nature is is replaced by now the participation in the divine nature. Yeah. And I'm a new person. That's why I, I, I call getting saved a do-over. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a do-over, man. You, you've you messed up. You you started out of the gate messed up, and yet when Christ saves you, you get a second chance. Yeah, you do. And this time you get it. You can live for God. But you can do what you want to do and do what's right because you have a, you're a new person. And you're not doing, yeah, you're not doing it on your own. You're doing it with the help of your creator of the one with all power. The power of the Holy Spirit inside, the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit enables me to make the right choices and Mm -hmm. do the right things. And what happens when you get a new nature, even when you sin and you will, okay, you're going to fail. The new nature in you where the old nature says, hey, I enjoyed that. Hey, that was good. I'm going to do that again. The new nature in you says, oh, I'm so disappointed in myself. I'm ashamed. Mm -hmm. I'm embarrassed. I wish I'd never, I'm not going to do that again. I'm repulsed by that because your your nature is like the nature of God who is right. repulsed by sin. And you'll say, God, help me not to do that again. So as much as we talk about depraved nature, we need to talk about the new nature, mm-hmm. the divine nature. It is the total opposite. And that's why when you get saved, it is a metamorphosis. It is a transformation. Mm-hmm. Okay, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind to prove it is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's right. And I think it's one of those things, too, that when you get saved, you begin to compare sin with this new knowledge of God, and you realize how much greater 
God is than all of your sin. And when you do, sin will always fall short of the wonderful standard and life that is found in God. So you fall short and you realize, I don't even like this anymore. I don't even know why I did this. This doesn't even compare to the life I have with God. And the more time you spend with him in that brand new nature, the more time you receive from him, you begin to just root out and kick out all of those sinful habits and those things you, do, you used to do because you're not even interested anymore. It, it, you found something better. This analogy's got a lot of weaknesses to it, but it's like you were a beat-up old truck, and you love to go mudding in the fields and get mud all over you and just ride that truck all over the fields and get muddy and just mm-hmm. come back, and it's cake with dirt. And and then you get saved, and you're not a you're not a beat-up old truck anymore. You're a you're a high dollar Maserati, yeah, or a yeah. high dollar luxury car Mercedes. I'm talking about the sport model, the two door coupe. I mean, worth you know. Yeah. And you're white. You're white. It's a white color, and it has leather in it, and it's got it's totally loaded out, and it's just gorgeous. You don't want to take that out in the field, go mudding with it. No, and you if you, it doesn't belong, it there. doesn't belong there. And you don't want to. And if you did it. You the whole time you think why this is stupid this is a luxury car I'm out here and and then when you did it and you came back and you look at it and you're thinking this is horrible I got mud all over it everywhere and what's your first thought going to be is first of all I don't ever need to do this again yeah second I gotta, I'm running this through a car wash right and I got back inside and I got my mud and the on the car I gotta have this thing detailed and cleaned. And that's what you do when you get saved. You mm-hmm. say, I'm not going out and sin anymore. And then if you're stupid enough to do it, you're thinking, I shouldn't be here. And then yep. when you're done, you're thinking, I got to go back to Jesus and I got to say, I'm sorry and I'll never do this again. And I need to run this thing through the car wash. Mm-hmm. Wash me in your blood. Forgive me and cleanse me. Help me to not do this again. That's right. Is that a pretty good analogy? I think it's a fantastic analogy. Yeah. I think you're, I think you're, you're spot on with that. Yeah. Well, look. Do you have anything else to say? I feel like we we pretty well nailed it as far as a two parter. It's about I think we about about said all we could say in an introductory manner about sin. No, I I think we have, and I mean it's an interesting subject. Uh, hopefully, it's one everybody out there listening to says, "Oh yeah, I can relate to that." Because I mean, we were all born we all in, can we yeah. all born in sin. We all need to be saved. There might be you know strangely there might be somebody listening that's not saved, and maybe. Hopefully God will use this today for you to realize there's hope for you and there's a Jesus. We've tried to talk about Jesus. Mm-hmm. We've tried to talk about the salvation that he brings. And and uh, and for those of you who are saved, um, maybe this will encourage you to say, you know what, I, I, I really need to live a holy life and obey God and not give in to the sway of the devil mm-hmm. who says, ah, you can be saved but still do this or say this or act like this. Um, I, I know as a pastor, Evan, that's what I'm seeing more and more of is that people supposedly get saved. I really think they want to get saved, but then because of the culture and the day we live in, I mean, I see it with a lot of people your age, um, they, they come to church, they love going to church. They love, uh, being in church and, uh, they even want to get saved, but they're living together. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, no, you can't live together. You either got to move out or you get married. You know, but like they don't even know. There's there's ignorance there, and yet I think there's a part of them that says they know. Oh, I think this is wrong. You know, I think. So I think this is a really important subject to say. If you've been saved and you've been changed, 
then you don't act like you still have a depraved, yeah, sinful nature because it's not who you are. It's not who you are anymore. You get you're free from that. Now you can mm-hmm. live, and and it's so much better. The obedience to God and righteousness is so much better. Mm-hmm. And I think that's maybe something that I'm seeing now is we need to emphasize this. You are not who you think you are. Yeah. Okay. And and I'm gonna ride. Let me let me finish with this. I'm gonna get on my high horse again. My little pet peeve. You know how much I hate, I despise that saying, I'm just a sinner, say by grace. <laughs> and you know how much I hate that. And give us context this time, because we meant we referenced it last time. <laughs> okay. Well, where people say, I'm saved, but but I'm still a sinner. That's what it sounds Their like. Their identity is still as a sinner. Uh, my identity is still a sinner. It's just sort of just by grace, I'm just barely making it, you know. Barely yep. making it, you know. Really and truly, I'm still a sinner, but I'm saved by grace. And it's like, no, you, you can't be both. Don't say that. Yeah. Okay. You either say I'm a sinner, mm-hmm. or you say I'm saved by grace. Yeah. Don't put them together and try to mesh those two because that is maybe that's semi Pelagianism. <laughs> you know, they, you you have to say I'm not who I used to be. Yeah. And and I'm not a sinner anymore. Stop saying that. Yeah. Okay. I am saved. Paul Paul said to the saints who are at Ephesus. That's right. He didn't say to the sinners who are saved by grace at Ephesus. He said to the saints, the holy ones who are saved at Ephesus. Mm-hmm. And we are new creations. We are new people. We got to act like it and live like it. Mm-hmm. And thank God you're free from who you used to be. You know. You know. Somebody said, uh, "I'm not what I ought to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be." That's right. And I think I think on the on the lines of this is, you know, are you maybe you feel overwhelmed? Like, okay, I know I want to live right, but am I good enough? A, 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 am I going to be enough? Am I going to be able to do this? Well, on your own, no, you're going to be an utter and complete failure if you try and live for Christ on your own. But the I don't want to say this wrongly. The good news of total depravity and of original sin is that no, you aren't good enough on your own, but Christ is good enough for you. Yeah. You are you are stuck out there on an island all by yourself with no help. But Christ came to you. God the Father sent his son by the Holy Spirit to be the light of the world, to call you to salvation, be lifted up for you. So yeah, you can't forgive yourself of your sins, but Christ can. Yeah, you, you can't overcome your sinful nature, but Christ can. Yeah, you can't just get up and you know dilly-dally around and decide one day you want to get saved, but Christ is calling you to that anyways. His grace is sufficient for you. Rest in that. And when we get to the conversation about living right, like you said, you are a partaker of the divine nature. This doesn't rest in you. This rests in him. Have confidence in someone outside of yourself. You can do this. Yeah, don't live like who you used to be. Live like who you are now. That's right. Yeah, good stuff. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, We just want to encourage you once again, if you didn't listen to last week, go listen to last week, the first episode on Sim. As always, give us a rating, uh, likes, and reviews. The way Apple Podcast works is the more positive five-star ratings, 
those are really the only ones that matter. Uh, the more we get exposure, the more people we will see this podcast. Uh, and so we want to encourage you to do that. Thank you to those who have. I was looking at it the other day, and we have some semi-recent ones. And I just want to say thank you for that. Continue to like and rate us. Send this to somebody who needs it, someone who's interested in uh, growing deeper in the Lord. And we will see you in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm.